She's Robin. She's Alex. And this is Coworkers Killing Time. And here we talk about everything. Enjoy! everybody welcome back this is episode 32 of co-workers killing time wow 32 i know we're making it we're doing it <laughs> as always i'm alex and i'm robin and welcome back today we are having a very important episode if you are friends with me on social media you saw me tease about it because a week ago today on tuesday may 10th justice was served and rick debate was found guilty of the 2015 murder of his wife connie wow so- yeah I was pretty happy. It was really quick, like a really quick verdict, because they started deliberating Monday, and by Tuesday afternoon, he was guilty. That's wild. That was really fast. So, if you listened to part one of this series, which is the murder of Connie debate, that's the title of the episode, you know the details of the murder, and if you don't, please go listen to that episode first, so that you are caught up with what we're going to talk about today. So how did we get here? Let's dig into the trial itself. I got an article from the Hartford Current, which I've mentioned in other episodes as our local newspaper, and from the Fox 61 News, who both attended the trial and took excerpts from it. So I have a lot of information about it. So the prosecution, much like myself in episode one, described him as a man planning to kill his wife due to an affair and an unplanned pregnancy and not knowing like, what decision to make in his life, so he made that decision. That is how the prosecution described him in the trial, as you would imagine. That's his go-to. Just based off of all the information we had in the first episode, like, you know that that was what was going on. But what do you think the defense could possibly say? Like, how could they say he was innocent? Right. Well, the defense isn't that great, obviously. Mm -hmm. But they described Rick as an innocent victim who was the unfortunate suspect plagued by botched police investigations that were biased towards their client and blamed the accuracy of technology of the time in 2015 Mm -hmm. due to the Fitbit evidence. Blaming? They're blaming the Fitbit? Oh, oh. They're saying that because it was 2015, the technology wasn't good enough. Okay. So how can that be reliable? So they're not going to use the digital evidence. It's not like it was 2005. It was 2015. So they were saying that, and then they were saying, like, oh, the police botched this. And they didn't have any other suspects, so they just decided it was him. And then they worked backwards. That's actually a direct quote from the trial. Wow. So that's what he thinks happened. Okay. Or his attorneys. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what he, as in the uh, his attorney, yeah. yes, because okay. I do have their names in here as well. So I also wrote in my notes here, I'm sorry, but as an avid Fitbit fan and owner, their technology literally hasn't changed much from 2015 to now. No, not at all. So if you can't hear any hear any ASMR rain sounds in the yeah. background, it's an actual rainstorm. <laughs> it's pretty massive all of a sudden. But it's very loud and it's power washing my car out oh, the window. Yeah, we need that. Get rid of all that. I know. All the pollen. Thank God. Awful. And if it starts thundering and lightning, we may, I'm going to have halt. to edit those we may out. Have to halt. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, during the trial, his former mistress, Sarah Ganser, was painted as a main motive for Rick with the baby coming that they conceived. It was set to be born in February 2016. 
Okay. So she died December 2015. The baby was like almost ready to come. So his image as a perfect family man was quickly becoming dissolved. So what they were saying was because this baby was coming so soon, he tried to portray to the community that he was like this perfect father, perfect husband. Their marriage was so great. But then there was a baby that was definitely his. And how would you hide any of that once the baby came? Yeah. So that led to his decision. This is what the uh, prosecution was saying. So Gdansky, who was the prosecutor, mm-hmm. poked holes in Rick's ever-changing account of what happened that December day. This was his most recent account based off of the trial. He realized he left his laptop at home, returned home, and heard a noise upstairs. He found a man much larger than himself wearing a hunting suit and having a Vin Diesel voice, which Mm. that is the same thing I said in episode one, that part of it. The man robbed him and then chased Connie to the basement where he shot and killed her. Oh, then he zip-tied him to a metal folding chair and stabbed him in the legs, then set a pile of papers on fire and fled on foot. So, in episode one, when I recapped his detailed account of events in 2015, he claimed that he was already home, and Connie walked into the door from being at the YMCA for her workout, and he told her to run because there was an intruder in the house. So, if you go back to episode one, that's the account that I read from 2015. So, that was his first story? Yeah. So, then he went on to say that when she ran to the basement... He also followed her down there, and then he was zip-tied to the chair. That's all the same. But in this account that he just gave, he claimed that he was stabbed. In the first account that I talked about in the first episode, he claimed that he was burned and poked with a box cutter. Not stabbed with a box cutter, poked with a box cutter. And then he said that he was burned, and then he wrestled away whatever the guy was using to burn him and burned the guy, and that's why he fleed. But now the story is the guy burned a bunch of papers and then left. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. That does, none of that makes sense. No, none of it. So for his part, Gdansky pointed these ever-changing stories out and presented both GPS and Fitbit data from that day to negate his testimony. Because his first story and this story, where they were the same, was that he had left the house and decided to come back home. Well, this time it was that he forgot his laptop. The first time was like he called his boss on his way to work to say that he wasn't coming to work. But GPS data proved that he never left the house. And like his laptop data proved that as well. So the defense attorney, Lalina, said that the case was mishandled. The police did not investigate key areas of interest and did not include enough DNA evidence collection. I'm not sure which areas he's talking about that were key areas. Like, does he mean they didn't go to actual, like, scenes where he said he was? Or were they not looking more into things? Because they clearly looked through enough to rule out an intruder and get him. And another thing that none of these articles mentioned, but I know that they did because I remember telling you about it, was they were using the police dogs and they're, yes. they're sniffing out uh, his DNA at the crime scene. Like they were looking for an intruder and the dogs circled back to him as the assailant. While he was in the ambulance. I read yeah. that, that they tracked, they, the, the dog didn't track any stranger, right. it tracked right to the ambulance where 
right where he was. So I don't know what they mean that they didn't like follow every evidence because it really or every avenue they could because it really seemed like they did. Yeah. So he continued to argue that the police chose Rick as their only suspect and molded the evidence to make him their guy. Basically saying that they showed up on the scene, were like, okay, she died. We're not going to look at any other suspects. It's him. Now let's make all the evidence point to it being him and wrap this up. Um, do you think that that happens quite often in... Do you think that happens? I, I think it happens in some cases. Like if you watch that documentary, the Making a Murderer documentary, that's exactly what they did to, watch to the main guy and to his nephew. Okay. That's exactly what they did because that's like the worst kind of police work. Yeah, so I don't. Not your job, you know, your job is to get all of the clues first. Yeah, before you try to figure out exactly who did it. No, I don't think that that's what happened at all. Okay. And luckily, the rain slamming on that window behind yeah. you has stopped, so it doesn't sound like someone's peeing in here anymore. Hopefully, that was a that was it for the storm. I hope so too, because now there's a tornado warning. Okay, so let's sketchy. just get going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he then laid out a six-minute timeline. For the moments after the panic alarm was triggered by debate and asked the jurors to think about how it would be possible in that short of a time to stage this crime. But I have another problem with that, because in part one, I think I said that the timeline was that he did all of this and then triggered the alarm after he did it, because obviously he said that it happened much earlier based off of the Fitbit data. So that also makes no sense that he's like, oh, you want to really believe that in the time he hit the alarm till the police got there, he did all of this? No, nobody thinks that. No. <laughs> Not one person thinks that. Nobody brought that like, into Like, nobody this, believes you. you right. Like, you're saying that. Right. Gdansky rebuked this by sa- stating that debate had been planning this for months due to not knowing whether to choose his mistress or his marriage. He had been planning this as a way out. So no, he didn't need six minutes. And even if he only had six minutes, he had it down to whatever he was going to do. Sure. As I said, in part one, he claimed that there was like a massive struggle and the police found zero signs of that anywhere in the house. So if somebody was in your house robbing you, there's no signs of that anywhere. Yeah. So you didn't do a good job planning. Right. The defense questioned the authenticity of the tech, stating that Fitbits are designed only to sell new Fitbits, and the technology is not up to par with the accuracy needed for court testimony. But I don't think that that's true either. Because obviously, like, yes, there is some sort of, like glitches where you could walk and it doesn't necessarily monitor your steps but it's not going to not monitor your heart rate unless you're not wearing it right so that's the only technology they're using from it is that her heart was beating okay and that she she moved a certain and she was moving yeah Yeah. that she walked around and like obviously her heart was beating when he said she was dead yes she was on her yeah and obviously the police I would imagine would have made sure that the time was right aligned as far as what she had it set for. Of course, you know. Okay. And even if they tried to say like, "Oh, well, it was him, the assailant guy, like moving her after she died," but, that that wouldn't register as steps, and it like shows like it's got a GPS. It shows yeah. where you're going, right? So, no, yeah. that's not correct. 
So he then asked the jury to think about their own technology. So like the GPS in your car and cell phones and their accuracy in the year 2022. He said like, do your cell phones ever not send you a text? Or does your GPS ever tell you you're on the right street, but you're a street away? Of course it does. So this is what he was using to try to debunk the Fitbit evidence. But again, Fitbits aren't as like innovative as GPSs and cell phones. So they're designed to do like two things. Right. So they're doing the two things correctly. True. Where GPSs and phones are doing way more stuff. So if something miscalculates, it's much easier. The defense called four witnesses during their time. One included a house cleaner and they heavily hung their whole like uh, defense on this who was in another house in the neighborhood at the time of the crime. So she testified that she saw a green flash go by a window that she was dusting at the time. And she said it could have been a person or a reflection or a deer. The defense attorney argued that there are no green deer and that a masked intruder would appear to be a flash. The prosecution argued that they tested the window cleaner she was using and it had a UV tint in it Mm -hmm. for like the windows. And that they think that that is what like clouded her vision was like that tint of that or something moving outside, but they didn't think it was a person. Right. Because I think a person is very different than a deer. Yes. And the thing is, if you, if you thought you saw a person running Running in a place that you right. wouldn't normally see, like an adult person running in a yard. Wouldn't anybody just kind of peek a little more mm-hmm. out the window just to be like, "What was that?" I would be concerned if I was in a house and somebody yes. ran by yes. my window. I'd yes. be like, "Oh my god, I'm leaving!" Yeah, or locking, <laughs> or all my I'm locking myself and calling nine one one. So debate was found guilty of murder, tampering with physical evidence, and false statements leading up to the verdict on Tuesday, May 10th. The jury had requested to rehear witness testimony dealing with DNA evidence on Monday the 9th after all of the closing arguments were stated. The jury also requested, and I remember telling you about this because I got an alert on my phone on Monday that they did, or on Tuesday that they did this before the um, decision came out, that the jury requested Connie's autopsy and the gunshot residue reports to look over them before they came out with their verdict. Uh, This gave me hope when I saw that, that a verdict would be reached soon. Right. So debate is being held on $5 million bond. He was previously held at $1 million, like all these years before, which he was able to come out up with. And that's why he was like walking freely this whole time. But the judge decided to increase it to $5 million. So I don't think that he can make that, but who knows? Maybe he will. They said if he does, he will have to have GPS uh, monitoring and tracking because obviously they don't want him leaving or running away. Connie's family feels that justice has been served, but that they will never get any sort of closure. So they all went to the courthouse when the verdict was decided and they were all wearing yellow ribbons because that was her favorite color and they had sunflowers. So they were trying to like celebrate her. So her brother, Keith, was quoted as saying that the verdict was a relief, but it was traumatic. He was in shock and he felt like he was going to hit the floor Mm. that the jury decided so quickly. I'm sure as the family, part of you is worried that they're going to say he's not guilty because it was that quickly. Yep. But I think that obviously the prosecution did a really good job with their case and the defense did not do such a great job like with theirs disproving without a shadow of a doubt that he did it. 
I read a, a, an article or two about this, and one of the things the jury for woman mm-hmm. said was that they, they made a timeline. They wrote everything down on this big ch- right. timeline in chalk. Yeah. And she said that when they got it up, everybody had, like, goosebumps from it because it was just, like, so telling that there's no way. There's no way. No way. So that was, like, a huge, This we got we got them. Yeah. According to the timeline. Well, and I think so, too, because, like, even in the first... So, again, I keep referencing the first episode. If you haven't listened to it, please listen to it. Yeah, you'll get more. Because you'll know so much more. more, And you'll know why we, without a shadow of a doubt, are like, no, he definitely did it, no matter what he says. Because there's so many different things technologically working against him. It's not just the Fitbit. It's his phone GPS location. It's his laptop GPS location. It's all the changing of his stories. Like, I'm sorry, you were stabbed, you were burned, you were zip-tied, you were outside your house, you were inside him with him alone, but then you were in there and he was upstairs with Connie. Like, what is the real story? And the one that uh, we've spoken about that really just kills me is the being zip-tied to a nine-pound chair. Yes. Uh, you're just gonna lay. You're just gonna, just gonna lay there guy with one you. hand, <laughs> yeah. zip tied to a nine pound chair, yep. and you're just gonna like, lay there. Come yeah. on, the and let, full grown let the guy stab male. and burn you while you have one hand free. I'd be like slapping yeah. the guy, like trying to get my other, like moving the chair yeah, with your body. He would. He could have used. The chair is a weapon. You yeah, know, just use just so anything. many things that, that could have happened. You so. could have done so many. It other just seems things. like a crazy, crazy situation that it, it was found like that. It does. Matthew Gadansky, the lawyer, was quoted as saying that Connie's murder is a striking example of domestic violence, and I really think that that's true uh, because mm-hmm. obviously he waited for her. He looked at the YMCA schedule again. Sure. I I referenced that in the first episode. And knew what time she was coming home, made it look like he left, but he didn't, and set this whole thing up. He was just waiting. And it's scary because they obviously had marital problems, and he acted on it. Can I just say something? hmm As someone who's worked for a divorce attorney for 20 years, just file for divorce. Just I file for divorce. I don't understand people's logic with this, and we have talked about yes. this before when talking about this case. Is you okay? So as as the lawyer said, he was having an affair and he yeah. had his marriage, and the choice was between the two. Why? Why couldn't have the choice been get a divorce and be with your mistress? Right. Or and but that wasn't even his only mistress. We aren't talking about that because they were only allowed to talk about the one mistress in the case. Yeah. It was pre ruled that they couldn't bring up his other affairs. Oh, so he was cheating on his mistress with another lady okay. too. So it's just like. Mm. So did the mistress? testify she did. against him or for no, him? No, I believe she testified for him, like okay. as a character witness, saying that he was like a, a decent guy. guy. Are they together? No. They're not. Okay. And she did take him to court because, again, that Facebook group I'm in that has a lot of information about, like, all the proceedings outside of this, too, and yeah. just, like, her life and his life, yeah. was saying that they found a court case where she took him to court for uh, child support. So they're not together anymore, but she did Testify because she's been his friend since high school. So has he been working? I don't know. Do you know for like that whole time? I don't think so. How could you? How's he been surviving? I have bills. I literally have no idea. Do you think that he cashed in her wife's life insurance? He did, but that was gone very quickly. The house was foreclosed on. Huh. So 
Um, I'd like to know how he was. I have no kid. idea. He had his he had his children that whole time, correct? Nope. And, and I'll get to that. He did not have his kids. No. Okay. He played it off like he did. Oh. And I'll get to all of this. Hmm. So the defense said they were disappointed and had they thought they had a strong case and stated that Rick knows that they will be back and they will keep fighting because they will be appealing the the conviction. Okay. So Rick debate sentencing was set for September sixteenth, twenty twenty two. He faces a minimum sentence of 25 years to life in prison, but records found now and shared to that Facebook group I'm in show that his sentencing may have been moved up to August 18th, 2022. Okay. So, uh, and then that was all the information I had about the trial, but I did write here. As a side note, a lot of comments I've seen, and that's not anywhere, not in that group or anything. I have seen them in the group, but on like uh, our local news websites mm-hmm. or Facebook pages when they've put things up about it. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so sad because he has those two children and now they've lost both his parents. But because I live in the town where this took place, I know a lot of teachers in the town who have taught these kids over the yeah. years yeah. and they have lived with Connie's family since all of this happened. Oh, okay. So... But I know a lot of people who support him are like, this is terrible because you're taking another parent away from the no, kids. he did that. But he, well, he took their mother and then he hasn't been with them the whole time. Right. But if I was the kids, I wouldn't want to be with him either. But I'm saying he made that choice to take both, the parents, away, yeah, both exactly. parents away because he killed their mother. He's going to go to prison. You make that choice. Exactly. Poor choice is Elias. It was his own fault. So they're with Connie's family, and I believe they will remain with her. And this is something that I always wonder about in true crime cases that you hear about that have children involved, is, like, what happens to them. But um, that I actually do know, because I've talked to a few friends, and they were like, oh, I had them in blah, blah, blah grade, and they don't live with him. Do you know how old they are now? I think one's in high school, and one's in middle school, or they're both in high school. Okay. Man. Yeah. It's got to be tough to have that last name in this time. It's, yep, it's got to be. I'm sure it's tough, but I'm sure they're friends, and I'm sure people in the community are rallying against them, or, like, with them, because it's not like they did anything. So, I'm sure it's very supportive and loving to them. I know we had another thing happen in town a few years ago where that guy got arrested for having the sex dungeon where he was, like, sex trafficking girls in the town over, but he lived in our town. Uh, and he, he had two kids and a wife that didn't know any of it was going on. And the kids, like, the whole community rallied around the wife and the kids because right. what are you going to do? Right. Like, they're innocent bystanders and oh, all of this. awful. So that's the one good thing about living in a really small town is, like, everybody knows your crap and that sucks, but everybody knows your crap and they'll come and yeah, support you. support you. So. Isn't it weird to have, like, such a huge story in your town? Like, it's... Yes. It's a weird sort of a thing and I'm sure many people do experience it but but like the apparel murder in Glastonbury yeah. when I was a teenager I just remember it's like it's just wild to have like those are the streets you drive on and like right. I would drive by the condo where she was murdered and just it's it's just weird so it's I weird I have not driven by their house or anything I actually don't even know where it is in town like I know what road it is yeah. but I don't know where that is it is such a big deal in our town, and my husband and I were talking about this the other day when, or last week when he was found guilty, because it's a week ago today as this article co- or this podcast comes out. Um, we were like, "Isn't it weird that it's resolved?" Yeah, because in our town, it happened in 2015. It was the hugest thing that happened in 2015, and everyone knew from that point. Like everyone heard his story and was just like, "None of this makes sense." He did it. 
But then for him to walk around free for seven years was like, what is nothing going to happen to this dude? Because it really felt like nothing was going right. to happen. So my husband had said, you know, it's a shame, but I really feel like somehow something's going to happen and he's not going to be found guilty just because of how this whole case has gone. So we were both kind of like, oh, like a settled surprise that he was found guilty. And we're not even like involved in it right. or close to right. it. But it's one of those things that it's like, oh, it affects our town. So it does. we feel for everyone involved. Did too. he have any vocal supporters? Are you aware of? Uh, not that I know of, but I know there's people out there. I mean, his family supports him. His okay. his family thinks right. that he is innocent. Okay. So they re- the article that I read from the Hartford Current, the beginning of it was talking a little bit about how, like, his family and Connie's family, who used to be so united, were both, like, very upset, like, visibly upset when the verdict was read. Sure. But, like, obviously for different for reasons, different because reasons. they're, like, relieved that something good happened. Right. And they're upset that... He was found guilty when they right. think he's innocent. So um, I also saw that this that this whole story was published in People People magazine in 2017. Yeah, that's I'm just sure. crazy to me. I mean, yes and no, crazy because yeah. it is. They call it the Fitbit murder. So it is right, like a run of the mill. No, it's very you know? famous and it has set a precedent for this type of technology to be used in different cases. Sure. So will there be a movie? I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen any of that, but I'm sure there will, even if it's like it's, a lifetime original it's unique. movie. Yeah. You know, it's unique. So well, and it's got all the makings of like a dramatic, Oh yeah, at, as seen on TV movie. Yeah, that's sure. Or it will be a Law & Order SVU episode. Could be that too. Right. Because it's got all of that, like a mistress, a weird quirk that just like yeah. made him out to be the killer. And how many of us now wear... Like, we have Fitbits or we have Apple right. Watches or whatever. It's, like, so many people. Right. And I mean, just... I've had a Fitbit since, like, 2000, whenever they came out. 2010. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have a this one now that looks like an Apple Watch, yeah. but I've had, like, all the different versions of it. I've had a few myself. Dan, don't try to murder me. They'll catch you with my <laughs> Fitbit data. That's right. <laughs> there can't be two Wellington Fitbit murders. No, there cannot. So that is all the information I have. Do you have anything to add? No, just okay. those things that I was uh, stating of that. Like, there's just a huge story in this tiny little right, and it's a very small town. town. There's not a very big population, no, and most tiny. people know everyone. Robin actually text messaged me over the weekend <laughs> to see if I knew somebody, and I'm like, no. no. And she's like, well, I feel like you know everyone in your town. I really, I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, she doesn't know that person. Oh, okay. Well, in your town, I'm related to ninety yeah, percent of the population, yes. so that's why. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so that's our update for this episode. We will have more later as this develops yeah. because he will be sentenced either in August or September. I can't promise it will be a full episode, but we could always have just a little snippet episode being like, hey, this is what happened, so that people are kept up to date. Because obviously, based off of the traction that our first episode has gained, there is not a lot of information out there about this, and people are looking for it. Absolutely. So if you have any information about the case and you would like to share it with us, you can email us at coworkerskillingtime at gmail.com. You can go onto our Instagram and see photos from today's case. I do have a photo of Connie's family outside the courthouse with their ribbons on. And, um, of course, the classic photos of, like, Connie and Rick that I will just reshare in case anybody needs a refresher. You can follow us on Facebook by going to Facebook and searching for Coworkers Killing Time Podcast. There you can see all of our Instagram posts and listen to all of our episodes. And as always, you can 
Listen to the show wherever you can download, subscribe, and like the episodes, and that is the best way to support our show, mainly on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.